Professor, Masters of the Arts in Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce. This week on the program, we're honored to be joined by Adam Sperling. Adam is the Executive Director for the PGA Tour and responsible for the 2022 President's Cup at Quail Hollow. Adam has over 15 years experience in professional golf, with previous work as the Executive Director for the Shriners Hospital for Children Open, the AT&T Pebble Beach National Aquarium, and Walmart First Tee Open. Adam is a graduate of Ithaca College in New York and holds a degree in sports management and media studies. He's also been an instrumental advisor to the Northwestern Masters of Sports Administration program, which is how Adam and I originally met. Adam, thank you, you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Bryce. Always good to be together. It's great to talk to you again. And as I mentioned, you know, Adam played a key role in, in advising the Northwestern MSA program around some, some really interesting things. Done a great job of opening my eyes to some of those career paths in sports. And so, you know, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about what it is you do today with the PGA Tour in, in the President's Cup? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the President's Cup is an event that's owned and operated by the PGA Tour. Uh, we're based in uh, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Um, and we we operate, uh, it's a biennial uh, match play competition featuring uh, 24 professional golfers, 12 uh, from the United States and 12 from the rest of the world, excluding Europe. So it uh, alternates between domestic, domestic being the United States and international being that territory I just mentioned. Uh, so we operate both the domestic and the international planes. Uh, I've been here in Charlotte since 2018, preparing for what was uh, supposed to be the 2021 President's Cup, which uh, was moved to 2022. And I have a colleague who uh, simultaneously is in Canada preparing for the 2024 edition uh, of the President's Cup, which will be held in Montreal, uh, Quebec. Uh, so we're we're responsible for everything from the revenue to the operations to the promotion. Um, we've got uh, the support of uh, various colleagues and departments at headquarters, uh, as well as uh, the club membership and local communities in which we're we're setting up shop. Uh, we build out our local team, uh, you know, larger crew as we get closer, uh, you know, to showtime. Um, but uh, we we kind of represent uh, the first two. Uh, editions of longer time uh, in market. Historically, since the event began in 1994, uh, our predecessor would move every two years, domestic and internationally. And in a, a Herculean effort, um, I was I, I reference oftentimes. I think the the transition between it was Ohio. Uh, at Muirfield Village, which just had a PGA Tour event completed yesterday in 2013, to Korea in 2015, to New Jersey in 2017, to Melbourne, Australia in 2019. So uh, he he was well traveled and uh, ultimately, um, you know, would would be in a position to kind of have a 20 month cycle to put an event on. We've recently shifted to a longer duration in market, uh, which allows us just to get that much more ingrained uh, with a property, with the community, with the stakeholders, making sure that when we bring this global event to a local community, uh, we're able to highlight the local community to the rest of the world. That's really cool. And, and as you know, the lay viewer of that, you don't think about all the preparation work that goes into building that, you know, one ingraining it in the community, but also all the work that goes around to putting on the event itself. So Adam, what on a day to day from a perspective, I mean, it seems like you have a run the gamut of things to manage. Is it sort of soup to nuts? Because you, you have in previous roles, have had a, a marketing and sponsorship and activation tilt, correct? Uh, well, I started with a, with a heavy focus on operations. Uh, and I think what's consistent from 
when I got into to the industry and to today and what what's kind of driven uh, my interest is kind of the 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 slice um, the variety of the slices from a day to day standpoint and uh, you know you can watch uh, the week in week out product on the PGA Tour and inside the ropes you know you see a lot of the same professionals and and there's 18 holes um, but beyond that you know no two golf courses are the same uh, no two communities have the same interests in in activation whether that's from uh, driving private hospitality and and business development to your off course uh, infrastructure for you know spectator transportation and parking and um, it's really kind of what um, draws me to the product every single day is just that you're building and you're creating and um, oftentimes you find yourself with with a blank canvas and 10 different people 10 different groups could uh, look at the same canvas and do things differently I think it probably no uh, no more evident than here in Charlotte and at Quail Hollow which has a history since 2003 of the Wells Fargo Championship. That's a, a wildly successful and great event uh, in the Charlotte community and on the PGA Tour. And so you have one group that operates that every year. You had the PGA of America that came in in 2017 and had uh, another you know wildly successful uh, event, albeit a major, at a different time of year, different build out. Uh, and then you have us, PGA Tour Championship Management, coming with a completely different event, international team match play. And, you know, we're going to do it uh, our own way. So, um, you know, it, it's just, it's fun to be able to see similar singular properties activated in different ways um, and, and kind of highlight uh, the visions and priorities of the various groups and organizations uh, that are responsible. I, I mean, it is really cool to see how those disparate events can exceed in di- succeed in different ways, right? I mean, vastly different types of, even in the same sport, in the same type of event, but are different types of engagements and so on. You mentioned that interest and you have a, you know, over 15 years experience in golf. How, how did you get interested in, in the golf space originally? Uh, I wish it was because I grew up playing. It'd be a lot easier now to entertain clients. Um, you know, I, I didn't really have an interest. It, it kind of just, you know, I would say, you know, it's very, um, you know, fortunate um, for the opportunity to present itself. I, I went to school to study sport management. I think once I realized I wasn't going to play professionally for the New York Yankees, I thought I could work for them. And uh, the PGA Championship was coming through uh, Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, which wasn't far up the road from Ithaca College. And we needed an internship, uh, you know, as part of our curriculum. Um, and uh, it was in sports. And uh, I had a, a good friend that had a place for me to stay. And uh, I ended up, uh, you know, working on uh, an operational support group uh, that is a part of every PGA event, uh, mostly, uh, you know, hanging windscreen, painting lumber, uh, moving mulch. Um, but I was able to, to get some you know, some, some eyesight on what was going on behind the scenes and, and the various components that uh, were at play in, in turning a golf course into a golf tournament, um, which is, you know, akin to kind of building a city, uh, managing it for a week and then tearing it down. And um, I just kind of fell in love with it. Like I said, about, you know, 18 holes. And uh, I, over the years, you can look at things that we've done in various properties. Uh, I, I worked at Westchester Country Club, where I believe we we flipped the nines there because we liked the way the club's ninth laid out as our 18th from a hospitality standpoint. We did the same thing for many years at Eastlake at the Tour Championship. We've since gone back uh, to the traditional club routing. Um, 
but uh, I, I fell in love with, uh, I guess, what's the difference between working in a fixed facility like an arena or a stadium where you know, most of those seats are bolted into concrete. And obviously you've got different uses. You could have a football game on one Sunday and a concert the next week or a monster truck show. But um, just, you know, golf courses could be 300 acres. Um, and it just gives you a lot, a, a lot of uh, room to operate and imagine things. And, and some golf courses like, like Pebble Beach or the Ryder Cup this year, where, you know, half the course is on, uh, you know, the ocean or a lake where that doesn't, you know, set up well for, uh, for certain things, but it's, you know, incredibly majestic for others. So, um, I think, uh, it keeps it fresh, um, keeps it exciting. It, uh, keeps it open to the interpretation. And when you're, when you're building an event, uh, with, with colleagues and stakeholders and you're able to, uh, you know, brainstorm and just imagine things differently, it's, uh, it's fun to see what's possible. It's a really interesting point that you bring up that, and again, from a person who doesn't, you know, day-to-day plan events or, or, you know, my, my living in the city of Chicago, my, I, I love playing golf as a, as a young person, but living in the city of Chicago, it's much harder. Right. And so I would say that my golf playing days and visiting of, you know, golf courses in general has gone down, but you see that it's interesting to say, because you're right. The stadium is a fixed space where you have, you know, with, with an event like you, you run and manage, there's such a, a big canvas to sort of not only do the things from an actual event perspective, but all the things around it from the sponsorship and hospitality and the spectators, which I think has to be really exciting because of the flexibility in that. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it, it varies, right? So, you know, you talk about success and it's, it's not just onsite, but, but what do we want to do offsite? And, you know, you have all these different pillars of success as, as a variety of stakeholders evaluate it. Um, we have our global partners, we have our players, uh, we have our fans, we have our, our community, we have our club, we have our volunteers, you have all these you know, different groups that are all very important, um, but they may all have different priorities. Uh, and I think we have to look at a property, see what it offers, what restrictions there may be, and figure out, uh, you know, it, it's a puzzle. And which pieces of the puzzle come together in a way that allow all of those stakeholders that are all, you know, 1A and, and 1A in, you know, in, in your world, how do we try to achieve the maximum levels to, of success for all of them? Knowing that in many cases, there's a trade-off, right? If, if we build a hospitality venue here, that means that we can't put a grandstand there. Or if we build a, a fan village here, that means that we're not able, you know, whatever it is, you've got only so much space. Um, you want to maximize the use. You want to use as much as possible while making sure that that use doesn't uh, infringe upon access or restrict movement. So everybody still has a wonderful experience. You want to make the event accessible to the community um, in ways beyond just selling tickets, right? What kind of uh, employment opportunities can we bring? Uh, what type of tourism dollars can we drive? Um, how can we highlight um, local small businesses and create opportunities for, you know, uh, restaurants or retail to participate in this, you know, global event that comes through these markets once in a generation. Um, so you, you know, you can't do that without a, a huge uh, group of of people that are you know aligned for a common goal, and um, which I think we we certainly have here in Charlotte, and and we have within the various stakeholders of this event. Yeah, you, you mentioned restrictions, and, and you talked about earlier about how 
you know, this event was supposed to be in 2020, 2021, and now it's moved to 2022. As you plan and do those things, you know, in the current state of the world, and obviously things are getting much better in golf, being an outdoor sport, it certainly helps with that. But is there any sort of planning and looking at that? And has it changed your view on on some things about how fans and spectators approach these things? Not only fans and spectators, but the people that work and, and keeping the safety and those things there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's changed our views uh, as, as people who want to participate and attend events. Um, you know, we were, I, I hate to use the word fortunate, but we were in the fortunate position that uh, when the world was changing and schedules were, were adjusting and plans were being made for a variety of global events, um, not just our event, but obviously the Olympics in Tokyo and, and many others that um, we've had uh, a decent window of time to, to sit back and, and see kind of how uh, how programming has changed, how, how events, how behaviors has changed. Um, you know, I'm a part of a much larger team that's responsible, uh, you know, for a lot of events, um, on tour, uh, and obviously the organization, you know, which is the governing body. Um, so, you know, we went through that period of time where, where, there were there were no golf events, and then you know you kind of went through the first phase of the return to golf, and it's continued to evolve, uh, and it's it's evolving, you know, it's still evolving weekly, whether that's inside the ropes or outside the ropes. Um, I think you're seeing certain trends um, from spectators to uh, hospitality clients, right? I mean, perhaps it's it's fewer bleachers being built and and people packing into grandstands and sitting next to each other, um, or it's it's perhaps it's more open air venue. Uh, you know, less climate controlled and uh, maybe larger or smaller entertaining, depending on if you're maximizing, you know, square footage per person or just minimizing the venue because it's smaller, you know, entertainment programs. So I think we've learned a lot in, in the last year plus. And uh, I think if we've all learned anything over the last year, it's probably that there's more to learn moving forward. So we'll continue to make our notes and, and uh, certainly hopefully be, you know, be a, a, in as solid a position as possible to deliver exactly what the market is uh, interested in uh, for that week next September. Right. I mean, we have learned a lot over the last year in a lot of really good and bad ways. Right. I think one thing that I learned or saw even from myself, who you know, I think you are similar in the sense that we very much enjoy sports, right. Just on the broad spectrum and take someone like my wife, who's a very casual sports fan. It was interesting to see over the last year how she, even her thought it was kind of strange that sports weren't around. Right. And we saw, I mean, golf is one of, from a playing perspective is one that there's a huge uptick in, in people playing golf because of the, I mean, many reasons, the ability to be outside and something to do where you had the space, but also people were working at home and have more flexibility and those things. Do you think that's translated to one interest in, you know, the events and viewership and, and so on because of that uptick in golf? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know for sure. I, I it can't hurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as anybody who's, who's played golf or tried to play golf, uh, if you're getting into golf for the first time and, and then you start to tune into golf for the first time, I think your appreciation for the skills that these men and women have at that highest level, uh, you know, is, is pretty incredible. I, I was tuned in yesterday, uh, you know, watching the women's, uh, us open, uh, which it was at Olympic, uh, out, uh, in, in the Bay area. And I had played there 
I think within the last two months, uh, or excuse me, not two months, two years. It was a couple of years ago, uh, summer of 19, we were out there. And uh, it was just incredible to to watch the women perform, uh, you know, on that track that hosted the 2012 U.S. Open and, um, you know, numerous other events in their history. Uh, and, and just watching in awe, um, knowing kind of how challenging, uh, you know, the rough can be or some of the bunkers or the greens. So I think, um, I think the more people that put clubs in their hands and find a way to enjoy the game uh, will also find a way to appreciate the game and the skills, uh, you know, that the professionals have. Um, and, and hopefully it makes them want to come out uh, and participate and uh, enjoy our events, not just for the product that's inside the ropes, uh, but also for, uh, you know, what you're able to do outside the ropes from a, a you know, fully immersive, uh, you know, we're in the entertainment industry. So, um, you know, the, obviously, uh, the television product is, is pretty impressive. So we've got to come up with really compelling ways to engage and, and want to make you leave that big flat screen, you know, television with the incredible picture on it and, and come out and be in person. And I think what you've seen, uh, kind of not just in golf, but in sport is that there's an appetite right now for people to get out there and uh, return to kind of uh, the normal flow of, of special events, uh, whether that be, you know, baseball, uh, golf, you know, concerts, what have you. So um, we're, we're hoping there's still a strong desire next fall. And, and I think there will be, I think you're right. And what, one thing that I, I think has kind of been seen across the board is that you mentioned it, you know, golf on television is a, is a wonderful product, right? But it's a different product than the in-person product. It's like baseball, you know, for me, baseball is one of those things as a kid. I love baseball. My father loved baseball. It was always on television, but it was kind of in the background, right? And it, there was some relaxation to it or whatever. The, the experience of going to a game is vastly different than that. I actually just went back to my first went to a first baseball game last week, went to a Cubs game in, you know, as long 18 months or whatever it was. And it was strange. It was strange in, in that sense, but it was really nice. How many people were there? Was it a full house or? 60, so it's 60% capacity here in, in Chicago these days. And I would imagine that every bit of that 60% was there. Um, you know, Wrigley is obviously a very unique experience in, in that regard. Sometimes people aren't necessarily there for the baseball. They're there for the um, the experience of it. But it was really nice to be back in that spot because we've you know been with the television product, you know, for so long, but you brought that up. I mean, is that something that you think about day to day? How do we separate this from the television product? Or, you know, in my course that I teach, oftentimes we talk about how the in-person experience in some ways is trying to become more like the television product because of all of the, the technology that's interwoven into it, the interactivity and so on. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and that's probably why it's so important to continue identifying new, new fans. Um, because, you know, the, the interconnectivity of, of technology you know, certainly does something you know, from a view at home product, but also the necessity to deliver that in an in, a, in stadium experience or you know, in your hand, um, you know, with, with our mobile devices. Um, for me, and, and I, it's probably a little romantic, but uh, just nothing replaces being being there in person. Um, you know, when we started to talk about it, I was thinking about kind of the challenges you have from a depth perspective standpoint when viewing on television and um, whether, you know, regardless of the sports, they just look different than they do in person. But at the same time, you know, I have to think that that old style, you know, out in the bleachers at Wrigley tastes a little bit differently out there than it does at home. The crack of the bat, 
you know, sounds a little more crisp and, and similarly, you know, being on site at a golf tournament, um, you know, the smell of fresh cut grass, uh, the dew, you know, on the greens being swept in the morning. Um, so, you know, that it is an experience and the sounds and sights and smells, um, you know, being, uh, being a part of, of a fan base, um, you know, whether that's rooting, you know, for your team or your favorite golfer, you know, along with the home team, or if you're part of the away team, right. It's, it's a little different. So it's, it's the right blend. Uh, of everything for everyone. Um, but I think it's, it's always evolving. Um, and it's evolving not only from, you know, how you experience it, but, but really how you, how you're connected to it in advance of experiencing it, right? How are, how are, how are we marketing? Uh, who are we marketing to? How are we connecting? How are we informing? Uh, how are we evolving? Uh, you know, pre-purchase, post-purchase, post post visit. Um, you know, there's so much that you can get into now. Uh, you know, from a special event standpoint, um, that uh, is important. You know, for the next time and the next time that um, there's always plenty of work to do. Yeah, and you're right. There is something about for me as a kid. You know, the walking up from the, the the concourse and you see the grass in a baseball stadium as an example for the first time. Golf is interesting in the sense that you mentioned it earlier. It's relatable, and what I mean by that is, not many people on earth can relate to what what it's like to see a ninety five mile an hour basketball, right? But you can, as a person, whatever age you are, you can relate to golf because you can play golf. But you're right; the appreciation when you go to an event in person to see these athletes and how good they are, how precise they are. It, it really makes an interesting product because of that. But you mentioned that younger generation of fans, is that a focus? And I guess the question for me is, you know, I am nearing 40, right. And I am still a golf fan um, and, and still watch it. still enjoy watching it both in person and on television, but how is that continuing to evolve with, with younger generations and do they engage with, with the sport and, and the product both in person and on television differently? Yeah. I, well, I think, I think they do. And I think that's where, where the game's evolving. Uh, and there's you know, various groups and organizations that are, are at the front of that. Um, you know, whether that's the PGA of America, um, you know, and, and junior league and turning, you know, youth golf into team competitions, whether it's, uh, you know, the, an assortment of uh, organizational partners with drive, chip and putt, uh, whether it's the first tee. Uh, I think even, you know, you look at uh, the professional golfers on, on both the men's and, and women's tour that uh, resonate and connect differently, um, you know, with different fans. So, um, you know, I remember uh, when I was in Las Vegas, uh, we, we gave Ricky Fowler an exemption, which I believe was he had played in a professional event, but not as a professional. So I think it was his profession, his PGA tour professional debut. And, you know, for years and years after that, and, and subsequently his time on tour, you, you saw six-year-olds, you know, all over the course with, you know, big orange, you know, yellow Puma hats. And they were fans of, I think, Ricky first and golf second. Um, but Ricky introduced him to the game, just like, Tiger introduced, you know, or, or harnessed my generation's interest in the game uh, and what have you. So uh, I think, you know, from an event standpoint, you know, we certainly will program things um, for, for people um, of all ages and all interests. Um, so, you know, your leagues, your operating groups, your events, your, your stars, um, your, your local communities, I think everybody plays a role there, but it, it's certainly a sport. If you can enjoy all sports or appreciate all sports, you know, from, from the stands or, or the comfort of your own home forever. Um, I had not played, you know, 
11 on 11 football uh, very recently. So um, I, I wish I spent more time playing golf, uh, you know, in my younger years um, because, you know, that's kind of what predominantly you play um, older, certainly, you know, pick up basketball and uh, you know, different, you know, club soccer or whatever, but it's a, it's hard to find, you know, a, a sandlot for nine on nine baseball uh, or, you know, once you get our age or, or somebody's arm, that's going to you know hold up for more than an inning. It's true. And it's a funny debate that I currently have in my own house. So we have a two year old and my wife is always saying, you know, he should play golf and tennis. And, and growing up where I did, I played football, basketball and baseball growing up. And I was like, well, I'm more into, I guess what I'll call the, the narrow minded view of traditional sports. And her point is always, he can play tennis and golf his entire life. And if you look at that objectively, she's right in the sense that they are sports that can be played forever, enjoyed forever and enjoyed in, in different ways. So it's, it's cool to see that, you know, the events and, and the PGA tour and, and, you know, the golfers themselves understand that. Right. And, and it makes that more relatable for, for the fans. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you can go on these various journeys with with your your favorite players. I mean, you look at you know whether it's Phil Mickelson winning uh, you know the PGA two weeks ago and becoming the oldest major you know winner uh, in the history, or or Tiger winning the Masters uh, in 2019. Um, you know, Ricky, who I mentioned, who's now you know, 10 plus years into his career. I mean, you can, you don't get that type of longevity in team sports. I mean, I grew up as a huge baseball player and a baseball fan. And I remember as a kid, my father telling me about the careers that, you know, the manager had or the first base, right? Because as a kid, you're just like, those are the coaches. Um, you, you're lost on the fact that they, they actually played most of them. Uh, and now I'm at the age where I know who all the coaches are because I watched them play. So, you know, it's a, di- a little bit different narrative, but, you know, boy, you can, you can have 30 year, a 30 year run with, with somebody on a professional tour and then you follow them on, you know, the PGA tour champions and, um, you know, the, the stories and, and the friendships, uh, you know, that you make in, in your games and your trips and, and the events you attend together. Um, you know, you've got quite a few uh, reference points to, to bring back the memories and to look forward to as well. Absolutely. You know, I, I mentioned, I teach a class in, in the technology of sports and my, my job is in technology. And a lot, it seems a lot of my life is predicated on technology. But it is, as we look at it from a day-to-day basis, you know, in your role, have you seen technology, you know, sort of become a more uh, prevalent feature of the fan experience? the activation engagement experience overall while you're there and do fans crave that? Is it something that you think about, you know, as you plan and and execute these events? Yeah, I I think so. I think there's a balance. Um, It's a very traditional game, right? It's been along for a long time, um, but it innovates. And uh, I mean, boy, watch a broadcast now. And uh, I'm sure there are people there, but, but I'd be hard pressed to identify who doesn't enjoy, you know, shot tracer technology. Uh, you know, and being able, um, you know, to follow, which I think I remember 20 years ago and something was similar was done, you know, with, uh, with the puck, uh, you know, on NHL games, which didn't work out really well for that product didn't convey, but it's fantastic for golf. And, um, you know, so there's, there's a variety, whether it's, it's just 
changing the viewing experience, whether it's changing the type of information, the type of stats that are available now. I mean, looking at the game differently from data and analytics. Um, and, and it's not just about hitting a fairway or hitting a green, um, you know, the strokes gained, uh, you know, data is, is really impressive. Um, the, the technology associated with uh, gaming um, and, and, you know, stats and make percentage and odds. I mean, there's, it's really, it's, it's, there's no end to it. I think, you know, we're looking uh, at ways, you know, when there's an event domestically every four years, um, you know, you got to be careful that, every edition of it, you know, you're not doing what you did last time because it wasn't 12 months ago, it was 48 months ago. So uh, we've got a couple things planned for the 2022 event that um, we've yet to do before from a fan, you know, engagement um, uh, technology standpoint. And so far, you know, as of June 21, uh, we're pretty excited about them, but by the time we get to September 22, maybe they'll, you know, everybody will have been doing it for a year and it won't be as fresh. Um, But I think everybody's always, looking to find that right balance between trying something new um, and making it sure it resonates from a enhancement standpoint. And you're not just doing something new to say you're doing something new. It's got to be additive. It's got to be engaging. It's got to make the experience that much you know, more enjoyable. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you're oftentimes speaking to a variety of demographics when it comes to event goers. So it may not be right for the 10-year-old, but it could be right for the 35-year-old and um, you don't want to overdo it, but you don't want to ignore it. Uh, and I think that's part of, you know, going back to the initial, you know, the beginning of the conversation and what was exciting about, uh, this line of work, uh, that it kind of fits the mold of it's up to you, your creativity, there may be the technology, but how you deploy it, where you deliver it, stuff like that is up to the, you know, the, the event operator. So, um, it is important and, um, you want to get it right. Yeah, it's a really valid point that you bring up around golf, especially I think baseball is like this too, in the sense that there's some tradition to it that is rooted in, in more old school approach, right? Some of the, there's very few events that I've ever been to in my life where I've had to check my phone and golf events are among those, right? And in some ways that's liberating, right? In the sense that okay, I'm here and I'm going to consume this. In some ways you get anxiety because it's like, well, I don't have that. But there's also the the ability to create some level of engagement through that device too. So it's an interesting balance there. Yeah, I don't think that was that was sustainable. I think it, it had its place you know, for a variety of really obvious reasons. Um, and I can't remember, gosh, I feel like it was probably in the early... T- not teens, but, you know, 2011, 2012, when we started to allow mobile devices on site, um, which then, you know, it's opened up a lot of opportunity, but, you know, half of our events take place during the work week, mm. right? Thursday, Friday, uh, and, and to be promoting, you know, attendance, whether that's from spectators or volunteers, uh, or, or, you know, hospitality partners, um, and saying, you got to leave the office at home. And we also have long days, for the most mm-hmm. part, right? It's not a uh, three-hour baseball game or, or, you know, well, hopefully a two-hour baseball game, I guess. But, you know, um, so it's a long time to be disconnected, not only from your work, but from your life and mm-hmm. things that come up. But, uh, yeah, once once they made their way on site, it really opened up a lot of opportunities from the event and then also kind of all the ancillary pieces of the event, not just scoring and tee times and groupings or where on course, but everything else that goes with it. So. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, again, the balance of we want to have these uh, the distraction versus the the upside that you have there. But it's a really good point. It's really interesting to know that you think about the fact of, I know for myself, I thought, hey, can I be disconnected for this long from a work perspective, especially like you said, during the middle of the week, right? Or on a, on a Thursday or Friday when you, it is a work week perspective. So it's, it's really interesting to see that, that on your side, you are thinking about those things. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's changed the fan behavior, right? I think I saw something within the last week and it was this, uh, I think it was an image of tiger, you know, with, with a gallery behind him and it was a 10 year difference. And I couldn't, I, I don't know where it was, um, or what years it was from, but, um, you know, players will hit shots now and, you know, there's less clapping because everybody's got their, their hands up, you know, taking a video or a picture. Um, but then again, that's all creating content and, you know, before long, you've got these really unique uh, vantage points of uh, things that are happening at events. Obviously, there's rights holders, and that's a that's a whole different uh, you know podcast with you uh, yeah. and your curriculum. Um, but you know, fans' engagement with the event becoming part of the event's uh, exposure globally in real time, um, or gosh, get into the what, not the the memes or the gifs or you know whatever, right? And kind of the 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 humor take uh, on something that occurs on a on any playing field out there. Um, I think like what is it NBA NBA memes. Or, you know, it's like one of the largest accounts connected with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not quite your NBA on TNT feed. So um, it, that probably goes a long way to, uh, it, you know, growing the various games and sports and fan bases as well. Yeah. And it, it, I had a, I heard a conversation recently, actually in the same, it was Eddie Better. You were speaking about how, you know, when you started to play venues, people would hold up lighters. And now they hold cell phones, right? Although the funny thing is that you go to a, a event with your children and you see every parent holding up their phone recording something. And sometimes I think to myself, just watch this with your eyes because you're never going to consume this again, right? But you make a really interesting point around it is content and it is creating content in some way. And, and to look at now, not when you're recording your kids dance recital, no one wants that content per se, but you're right. It's a different vantage point for, for fans. And so almost proof in some ways for fans that, Hey, this is, I'm capturing this memory and being there. Yeah. And so I guess in that vein, how do you see this evolving and, and how do you see sort of one fandom of, of golf or sports in general evolving by the time you get to the next event, right? Your next event here in, in, in the U S and, and the makeup of the spectators and the approach and, and those things changing and evolving. Yeah. Well, I think that's just it. I think it will evolve uh, as the makeup of the spectators evolves and as, as you know, generations kind of evolve. I mean, I'm a little bit like, like you are. Um, If you want a great picture from an event, you you could find one on Google by the time you get home. Mm -hmm. So um, I I was at uh, a couple years ago, I saw Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, right? Bruce on Broadway and it's Broadway. They're very clear about keep your phones in your pockets. There'll be an opportunity at the end of the show. And still, you know, you had plenty of adults that couldn't follow the rules. And I was kind of sitting there. It's like, you're in this really small, intimate theater with, you know, a legendary, you know, rock and roll hall of famer doing a solo act. It's dark. I've never seen a photo in that type of venue on your iPhone as, as incredibly advanced technology as it is turn out to be something that you're printing, you know, in, 
into a poster. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is worth the disruption to the experience that you're causing? Um, versus, as you say, just being in the moment. But um, you know, these are generate. You know, there's generational differences, and um, we are not a generation that grew up having a camera or the web in our pocket, but there, those generations will follow us and they will look at engaging with events much differently than ours or our parents' generation. Um, and, uh, and that'll just be a part of how events evolve over time. I mean, I think it's, it's more impressive, um, across the spectrum. I mean, I think baseball and golf, uh, certainly have, have, you know, a lot in common there of, of how long these sports have been around and how, how little change, um, there, there's been, you know, from a, you know, within, within kind of the realistic expectations of say 120 years. I mean, uh, the pitcher's mound, other than, you know, going up an inch and down an inch, it's still 60 feet, six inches away. And, you know, outfield fences are not 540 feet away. You talk about the lengthening of golf courses because of technology and, you know, other than right field at Yankee stadium, you know, being, you know, the short porch, um, you know, Baseball fields still fit the play, uh, you know, after all these years, um, you know, base paths aren't 110 feet apart, they're 90. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting um, as technology to consume and, and interact as well as to play, um, you know, equipment becoming lighter, stronger, um, athletes becoming stronger, uh, et cetera. Um, things change quite a bit, but, but there's still a core that stays the same. Um, and that's probably why these sports are able to appeal uh, to, you know, as many people as they are. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, a really good way you know, to, to end it. And, and I, I, you know, we appreciate the time, but I think that, that you're right. And I think that the core of those and in golf, especially, it, it's really cool to see how the core of the sport is there and, and continues to endure. And, and then all of the great things that you can put around it to, to continue and, and change and evolve, evolve the game. But, you know, Adam, we appreciate the time very much and all the insights, and we will absolutely be watching um, you know, as, as the event gets closer and, and, and the lead up to that and, and golf as a whole. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.